on Power Talk AM 1460 and FM 101.1, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. Jeremy Arnold is an author and commentator on classic cinema. His new book, Christmas in the Movies, 30 Classics to Celebrate the Season, has just been published by Turner Classic Movies and Running Press. His previous book, The Essentials, 52 Must-See Movies and Why They Matter, was published in 2016 as the companion to Turner Classic Movies' Essential Series. Welcome, Jeremy. Thanks, Jana. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. It's lovely to have you on the show. Jeremy and I met last April at the Turner Classic Movie Film Festival, and uh, at that time he told me about his new book, uh, Christmas in the Movies, and I said I would love to have you on the show in December, so I am so happy to have you here to discuss your new book. Thanks, me too. I remember that conversation well. It was in the Hollywood Roosevelt, and here we are. It's just wonderful. I know, and time flies so quickly, doesn't it? <laughs> I know, I, I can't believe it. Well, let me first ask you this question. How did you decide which movies that you wanted to include in this book? Well, that's an excellent question. Um, I will tell you that the first thing I did was make a list of, you know, almost any movie that possibly could be in a book like this, just to see just to have a starting point. And that list must have had close to 200 titles on it. Um, you know, I was going to ask you that question. How many Christmas movies are actually out there? So you've just answered it. Well, Go on. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'm actually, I'm sure there are more than that too. Um, but, you know, in talking to TCM and the publisher running press, I mean, we all knew that we wanted this to be um, not an encyclopedia and to be sort of a gift book with, you know, a lot of beautiful photos and illustrations and color throughout to really make it around rather Christmassy item in and of itself. So we all sort of settled on 30 movies as a manageable number. And so what I did was, you know, this was actually the most, this was the thing that attracted me most to even doing a book on this subject. I went through a lot of these movies and really took a hard look at, you know, at them through the prism of, is this really a Christmas movie? Which is another way of saying, what is a Christmas movie? And I decided that um, if I was really honest about it, that I would really have to choose films in which the Christmas season really plays a meaningful role in the storytelling, by, uh, by which I mean in the audience's experience of the story as it's unfolding. Does some aspect of Christmas time really remain front and center in terms of the theme or message or emotional import of the story we're seeing? And, you know, that made it easy to get rid of a lot of titles in which Christmas is, say, really just a setting or just a backdrop, but doesn't really have a lot to do with the story itself. Um, and, you know, it's it's actually really fun to talk to people about whether something is a Christmas movie or not. They, people get very passionate and emotional and excited about this because, you know, they're, they feel very strongly about it. And for, for some people... Uh, you know, Die Hard, for an example, could never be a Christmas movie because it's an action film. Right. But, you know, I would say that, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but I would say that Die Hard is 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 a case where it is a Christmas film because actually the season 
does play a role in our experience of that film from the very beginning to the very end. And what I love about these sort of oddball Christmas movies that are action movies or Westerns or, you know, movies that are not romances or comedies, um, it's sort of like Christmas seeps into these other genres. And, you know, if an action movie is going to be a Christmas movie, it'll be a movie like Die Hard. Um, so, you know, there, Die Hard 2 is also set at Christmas, but I do not consider that a Christmas movie because that is a little more of a unpleasant, mean-spirited kind of action film than the original Die Hard. But anyway, I think I'm getting ahead of myself. No, 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 you're, you're, you're fine. You know, what makes a movie a Christmas classic for you? Well, I mean, I would say, first of all, it's the same thing that makes any classic movie a classic, which is something that you want to revisit and which improves with repeated viewings. I mean, this is why we love Casablanca so much. You know, it never gets old. We, You know, for people who love that film, we, we could watch it a thousand times and love it just as much, if not more, each time. So there's that. And that has to do with the craft of the filmmaking, the cast, the screenplay, the cinematography, all the tools that make a great movie great. Um, when it comes to Christmas movies, you know, I like to look at it this way. In... In real life, the thing that we love about the Christmas season tends to be this sort of buoyancy that's in the air in the month of December, which comes from the decorations and the lights and the just all the tropes of the season. And there's a sort of magic in the air that a lot of people love. And the great Christmas movies, they somehow capture that so that when you're watching the film for a couple of hours, that same feeling comes across probably more strongly because it's being, you know, very consciously created by the artists who made the film. It gives us a sort of concentrated dose of that. And, you know, it's irresistible to a lot of audiences. This is true, but that some of the movies that you chose, such as um, The Lion in the Winter, Gremlins and The Apartment, are not necessarily thought of as Christmas movies per se. So I'm, I was curious as to why you decided to put them in this book. I know Christmas is the background, but was there mm -hmm. something um, essential to each one of those films that you felt was should be why, why it should be included in this book? For Absolutely. Well, I, I can briefly go through each each of those three. The Lion in Winter, yes, it's a period historical drama, although it's actually as much a comedy as it is a drama. And um, it is, uh, you know, it's a royal family, and it's set in a castle in France in the 12th century. But if you take all of those surface details aside, it's basically one of the most common Christmas movie stories, which is a dysfunctional family gathering over the holidays. Yes. And that is why it is so relatable and so sort of delicious to watch today aside from the great cast and, and all of that. But, you know, when they bicker and argue and fight, I mean, what family does not, to some degree, bicker and argue and fight when they get together over the holidays? You know, not to the levels of this film where they, you know, when when we say in real life that we just want to kill this relative because they're so annoying, and you know, it might be in a sort of half-hearted way. In this film, they actually could kill each other. And that is actually very entertaining to, to see. And the Christmas season, it just heightens that element element of it. And that is very much an aspect of the season. So that's why that's a Christmas movie. Uh, Gremlins is so enjoyable. I'll, I'll confess, I had actually never seen Gremlins before doing this book. You know, I don't know how I missed it, but we all have movies that we just somehow missed that we should have I, seen at the time. I've never, yeah, I've never seen it either. So I'm curious <laughs> why, why it was included, but I'm, go ahead. <laughs> well, I, 
It is um, much more lighthearted than I thought it would be. I always had the impression it would it was sort of a, like a, a gross-out horror movie, but it's really not. It's actually very funny, and it is actually about Christmas movies as much as anything else. You know, it's it's sort of the, the town is modeled after Bedford Falls in its wonderful life, and there are a lot of references to that film worked into the film. It's, you know, Joe Dante, who directed it, is a real, you know, movie lover and, and film historian himself, and you could just see he was having fun with all the famous old Christmas movies that he and everyone else already loved, and he was sort of gently satirizing them um, with this film. So, and the other thing is that there is a darkness to the Christmas season, which that film honors. And so it's fine for a horror movie, really in that case, a horror comedy to be a Christmas film because, um, you know, part of the Christmas season is wistfulness and loneliness and alienation. And, and also people get very cynical, you know, the, the Scrooges of the season. Um, and there's something about having a little darkness to offset all the joy and the lightness and the love that most Christmas movies encompass, which I think is rather refreshing. And I'll, I would also say that uh, the most famous Christmas story, um, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, that practically does turn into a horror movie for a good part of that story. So, you know, there's definitely precedent in the world of Christmas storytelling for for darkness and and even horror. And I'm sorry, what was the third one you mentioned? Oh, The the Apartment. Um, The Apartment is in here because um, I don't want to give too much away if people haven't seen it, but it's set over the season and into early January. And this is a film which it's, it's a romantic comedy with, I would, I think an uplifting ending, but it has some very traumatic sections to it in terms of what the characters experience. And that reaches its apex on Christmas Eve in that film. Um, there's, there's an attempted suicide, which is not without precedent in Christmas films. Um, it's wonderful life. As everyone knows is about Jimmy Stewart, uh, try, um, you know, on the way to committing suicide until the guardian angel, uh, sort of helps show him why he shouldn't do so. But, um, the apartment, I think it, it has a real honesty about the whole spectrum of human emotion and the season tightens all of those aspects, the positive and the negative. And so I think it was really smart for Billy Wilder and, uh, Izzy Diamond, the writers to set it over that period. And it's one of my favorite movies. I love the apartment. Um, but I've never thought of it as a Christmas movie, I guess, you know, for a lot of people, I think I have my, you know, my list of movies I must see every year. Uh, and many of them are included in your book, like The Bishop's Wife, It's a Wonderful Life, Miracle on 34th Street, Christmas in Connecticut. And two of my favorites is Love Actually. But one that you did not include in your book is The Holiday. Yeah, that's right. That's, well, that's, that's, that's an, it's definitely one that I considered and it had to get cut sort of at the last minute because we just we had too many and we had to get it down to 30. And I think if I remember the reason that I wasn't able to include that had more to do with the fact that, um, I mean, this is a Turner Classic Movies book, so the bulk of the movies are, you know, classics from the Golden Age. Most of the films right. in this book are from before 1970. And, um, you know, we would have had to cut one of the older films, and we, I mean, there are some, the, the films go up to 2003 with Love Actually and Elf, and The Holiday, I, it just, I didn't want to cut Love Actually or Elf or Christmas Vacation or some of the other modern ones and it's just sort of the way it worked out. <laughs> 
that's the way it is sometimes. Well, you have to do another one then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We go forward. What's your favorite Christmas movie, Jeremy? Oh, It's a Wonderful Life. And I know that's not yeah. exactly an original answer. <laughs> no, it's mine but, too. It's mine also. So I agree. But I mean, it's just such a beautifully crafted, you know, movie. Um, uh, it, you know, it's wonderfully written and directed and acted. And it, it there's a film also that really touches on the whole spectrum because, you know, we remember it for the joy and the romance and the humor. But um, like A Christmas Carol, which it actually rather closely resembles in its story, it does have some very dark and traumatic sections to it. And I just think it's it's and it's honest. It's more honest that way because the season does encompass all these things and sometimes um, sort of seemingly contradictory emotions all at once, you know, in all of us in real life. We can be having a wonderful time enjoying our family, but also get very sad missing parents or grandparents or friends who are no longer with us. And that's, it's just honest that way. It, it is. And you're, you're, that's why it's one of our favorites, because it does touch on all those different emotions and how everyone feels, you know, during um, this time of year. It's, it's, it's tough for a lot of people. Uh, the holidays are very tough for a lot of people. And, and then for others, it's just that time of joy, too. If you are just joining us, uh, my guest today is Jeremy Arnold. And we're, he's an author and commentator on classic cinema. His new book, Christmas in the Movies, 30 Classics to Celebrate the Season, has just been published by Turner Classic Movies and Running Press. So we're talking about this new book. I'm curious as to why you ch- some of the movies you chose. Why did you choose the 1994 version of a little of Little Women rather than the 1949 version with June Allison and Elizabeth Taylor or the 1933 version with Katherine Hepburn? Well, that's an excellent question, and um, I will give you the answer. I will say that I do certainly acknowledge those earlier versions, and I include some photos and some some facts about those. But the reason I made the 1994 version sort of the main one and one of the 30 in the book was because that version was really specifically made as a Christmas movie. Uh, there are, you know, Christmas does play a role in the Louisa May Alcott novel. It's there. Uh, and the other films have Christmas scenes. But the only way that um, the filmmakers could, could get this movie made in 1994 at Columbia was by pitching it to the top studio brass as a Christmas film. In, in other words, they said you can market it as a Christmas movie. The, the studio didn't see that they could market the film in a way that would make it financially successful until uh, Amy Pascal and Denise Sanovi, uh, the producer and studio executive on this film, had this idea. And then they said, yes, um, now we see it. Now, that's a rather sad commentary <laughs> on the state yeah. of the industry at the time, because, of course, it's a great, you know, American novel and it's, you know, never been out of print and all that. Um, but it was also, I think, a really smart way to go, not just because it was a way to get the film made, but because, the, you know, uh, the, the Christmas setting naturally heightens the central I uh, sort of theme of, of that story, which is the family togetherness. I mean, it's really about this family, uh, these these girls, and mostly their mother. Their father's barely in the story, and you know everything feels most right when they're all together in the novel and in the movie. And the Christmas time is a natural um, and relatable way of sort of emphasizing that point. So they play up the Christmas scenes in this version more than the others. Um, you see, you know, the camera lingers on 
holiday decorations and Christmas songs and um, all the sort of tropes of the season. And if you watch the other versions, it's there, but it's not really emphasized as much. So I don't really consider the others to be as much Christmas movies as this one. Uh, okay. Well, that's interesting because uh, last year I did at Christmas time, I watched all three back to back. <laughs> the 33, yep. 1933, the 49, and the 1994. And I have to say the 1994 was my least favorite of all of them. Oh, interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and the 1949 was my favorite uh, out of all of them. But I'm very excited because there, um, there's a new version coming out with Merle Streep and Tim- Timothy Chalamet and Emma Watson. I think they're filming it or just completed filming that now. So that's going to be exciting to see what they do with it this time around. Yeah, there's I agree. I'm looking forward to that, too. And there have been so many other versions for television and and um, cable everywhere. I mean, there have been countless versions. And why did you pick you know, a Christmas Carol? Obviously, is the all-time one of the all-time classic Christmas movies. And you chose um, Scrooge, the 1951 version, um, rather than some of the other versions. Why did you choose that one? What's what? Why is that one a better version? Well. Um, various reasons. One is Alistair Sim, who plays Scrooge. I mean, the, he is really the show in that film. Uh, it's a, I think it's one of the great performances in movies. And, you know, his, his transformation from crusty miser to the reawakened, enlightened Scrooge at the end, the scene where he actually wakes up on Christmas morning and finds that he's transformed, that is just a, such a great piece of screen acting because he is conveying so much with his body movements, with his eyes, it's like silent screen acting. Um, so there have been other very good Scrooges and so many of them. I mean, the first version of A Christmas Carol was made in 1901 um, and wow. it might be the most filmed story ever. Um, but there's something about Alistair Sims' embodiment of that role which really makes it the most memorable, I think. Also, um, the way it's directed and, and shot, I mean, uh, you know, when I said before that A Christmas Carol is partly a horror film, this one really, really captures that. Parts of it, when you when the spirit of Christmas yet to come arrives, it gets very frightening, and um, you know, in a way which I think is appropriately faithful to Dickens, and um, you know, that helps. You know, the the more intense darkness makes the later lightness all the more effective. I mean, that's obviously just the way those things work, and so that helps in that regard too. And they went back to the original illustrations by John Leach in the original um, novel of A Christmas Carol, the original uh, first edition and use those illustrations as a basis for a lot of their shot design in this film. So that was really impressive. But there are also, there are many other good versions. I mean, I think the Muppet version is one of the best ones, too. <laughs> really? And why? Well, because it's, it's such a fun take on it, and it's as true to Dickens as it is to the Muppets. I mean, you get the, the fun and the frivolity of the Muppets, but Michael Caine plays Ebenezer Scrooge in that film totally straight. It's as if he's not acting with a bunch of Muppets. <laughs> and <laughs> that that contrast is so much fun, and you know it's it somehow makes it almost as effective as a you know so-called normal version of it. So I I think it's it's a really fun movie that people should see. But the 1938 version is really good. Um, there's one with George C. Scott. I mean, you know, it's yeah, there have been too many to count. Yeah, there really have been. You know, Jeremy, how did you become a film historian? What what, what led up to you becoming a film historian? I, I don't really know. <laughs> I, um, I, I mean, I will say that as a child, I, I got into classic films thanks to my father, who was just a big fan. And, you know, I grew up, you know, as a child watching movies from the 30s and 40s um, as much as, if not more, than the contemporary films of the time. 
And uh, I, I went to college at Wesleyan University in Connecticut, and uh, I studied film there under a wonderful uh, film scholar named Janine Basinger, who's written many books and uh, has taught there for decades. And that was a program that combined filmmaking with film history and theory. And, you know, it was all taught to be of a piece. And, um, you know, the, the films we studied to learn filmmaking, too, were the films mostly from the golden age of Hollywood, 30s, 40s and 50s and 60s. And, you know, I already knew a lot of those films, but I discovered more. And Janine was so passionate about all these movies that it really uh, helped. It sort of seeps down into me. And I just I love the films because I'm fascinated by the way that they work based on the choices that the filmmakers have made in creating every shot, the way those choices work to create emotion in the audience. Um, you know, it's it's a sort of when it's done well, it happens directly and immediately. But it is the result of choices made by many different artists. And I'm just fascinated by sort of the process of how that works. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100 percent. And it, it is a fascinating process. And the movie does have to move you whatever way it is, whether it scares you or not. How did you become associated with Turner Classic Movies? Because you've done uh, a number of things with Turner. And so how did that uh, alliance come about? Well, I started writing for their website, the TCM website, back in 2002 or 2003. If you go to the website, um, they have thousands of programming articles that... Um, are they're they're designed to be references so that if, if TCM is showing any given classic film, um, a viewer could go to the website and read a eight or ten paragraph historical article about the making of it and the impact of the film. And so they have many writers who've done these things over the years. So I started doing that back in the early two thousands, and uh, and I still do them, not quite as much as before, but um, I've written hundreds of those things, and and I've written many other things for the website too, DVD reviews and so forth, film festival reports, and um, the consistency of that has just led me to become friends with many of the people at Turner and um, I now I speak at their film festival every year in Hollywood I've, I've been on TCM a couple of times as a guest host and um, and then I had the opportunity to do the Essentials book a few years ago and then the Christmas book so it's just sort of organically grown from those years of writing all those pieces for the website Well this is the quintessential Christmas book about movies so if you are looking for a gift for somebody who loves movies this is the book that I highly recommend. Where can people purchase this book, Jeremy? Oh, you can find it uh, on the TCM website. There's a TCM shop on there. You can find it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, and also all the brick and mortar Barnes and Nobles are carrying the book. And um, I think quite a few local bookstores, if there are any, <laughs> where people are listening, you can find them there too, maybe. Well, it's a wonderful book filled with wonderful antidotes uh, about all of these Christmas classics. And uh, I love how you have a holiday moment uh, at the end of each uh, chapter about each each movie. And, uh, and it is it's just for anybody who loves movies and loves Christmas movies in particular. This is the best Christmas present you could ever give them. Jeremy, thank you so much for being on the show today. It was great. With oh, it was my it was my great pleasure, Jan. Thank you for having me. Thank you. On Power Talk AM fourteen sixty and FM one hundred one point one, streaming worldwide on iHeartRadio. Jan Price talks to the movers and shakers in the film business. The Jan Price Show. 
Tired of looking at your worn wood floors? Mr. Sandless can bring them back to life again. That's right. It's Mr. Sandless, the no sanding solution to beautiful wood floors. Mr. Sandless is clean, efficient, contains no harmful chemicals, and is certified green. Mr. Sandless refinishes all hardwoods, softwoods, engineered flooring, and laminates. Most jobs are completed in one day with no cleanup required ever, with virtually no odor, and is safe for pets and kids. No need to move out or even leave the house. Mr. Sandless is the company that invented Sandless Refinishing and is the largest floor refinishing company in the world. Over 120,000 happy customers, guaranteed adhesion, guaranteed satisfaction, and a five-year warranty. Call Mr. Sandless today at 831-747-7476. That's 747-7476 or MrSandless.com. That's MrSandless.com. 